Kevin Markwick. Vampire Weekend, Worship You from uh, Modern Vampires of the City, the current album. 
lovely. Came over all sort of Dick Van Dyke there. Lovely, tell your mother. Hello, Kevin Markwick here again. Thank you, Adrian, for the last two hours of soul grooviness. Wonderful as usual. Wake up. It's cold out there today. It's cold out there every day. Um, don't forget your booties, wasn't it? It was the bit in the middle. Uh, it's uh, oh, it's lovely out there, though. Really crisp. Uh, I don't know. Have you seen the sky over Uckfield? Jupiter rising. Looks brilliant. Anyway, what have we got for you tonight? Lots of good music. DuckTales, Dum Dum Girls, Nightbeds. Uh, music from uh, some really good stuff, actually, from Josephine Foster. Julia Holter and uh, Laura Veers. Some Cass McCombs. Uh, Cheney's back, mopping up last year's 1986. I think he struggled as much as I did. Still a good, good, good stuff though. Uh, we're time pouching uh, 1987. This is a bit where Cheney has a heart attack because he thinks he's done it wrong. It's just that I can't get it right. Don't worry about it, it'll be fine. Uh, yeah, so we've got to do the top 20 from 87 to get any traction at all, which is a bit depressing, but don't worry. Throw another something on the fire and uh, sit back and enjoy uh, the Pixies. Waving. I pressed again and then 
That's the Pixies. They really are back, aren't they? It's quite extraordinary. Everyone seems to be uh, everyone seems to be back at some point or another. It'll be the um, international Beethoven tour before long. Uh, another toe in the ocean. That's from the current EP. EP1, ironically. Maybe it's the first EP they've done. I'm not sure. I'm not actually a Pixies expert. So, uh, what do I want to say? Get in touch with the show at Kevin Markwick on Twitter. You can hit me up on Facebook, uh, the Kevin Markwick Show. Uh, tell me what you've been up to. Uh, did you have a good weekend? Because it was Doctor Who weekend, of course. And uh, it was just, I don't know, if you're a Doctor Who fan, it was like all your Christmases had come at once. And we did a 3D screening at my cinema outfield, which is sold. I could have sold it out about 10 times over. So, um, and the atmosphere was fantastic and it was really good. And um, also the uh, adventure in space and time. I have to say, I um, I did blub quite a lot in that one. I'm a terrible blubber. <laughs> I, maybe I need therapy, do you think? It's possible. Anyway, uh, what am I going to play you now? Scott Hansen, who's known as Tycho. This is called Awake.
That's called Awake by Tycho, who is Scott Hansen out of uh, San Francisco. Don't play a lot of uh, ambient, but I like that one. I like that one a lot. Uh, the other thing I was going to say was, if you really are into Doctor Who and you, you miss them, a couple of things I can recommend on the iPlayer, um, which you may you probably know about, but The Five-ish Doctors, a really sweet uh, half-an-hour comedy by uh, Peter Davison about the three of them, Colin Baker, Sylvester McCoy and uh, him trying to get into... <laughs> trying to get a part in the 50th special which is really sweet and funny and touching and also matthew sweet's um culture show special uh, i think they're still available for another few more days um and I'd highly recommended the other thing i wanted to say was you can go online and interact with us on the webcam i'm on the webcam i can kind of wave at you like this and you can uh, add messages uh, and just go to www.uckfieldfm.co.uk and you can also email me at the studio there studio at uckfieldfm.co.uk okay we'll have one of these and when we come back i'm going to be um giving you some honey tiger eyes
Ah, there you go. <laughs> I was looking up DuckTales, which that is by DuckTales, Honey Tiger Eyes, very nice, uh, on the internet to give you a little more information. And I think you know what's coming. Uh, what I'm getting is a bunch of uh, Disney-based... <laughs> Nonsense. So uh, I can't tell you any more about it other than I heard it uh, last week and thought it would be a nice track to play because it is a very nice track to play. Uh, and another one I discovered this week, I'd not, I don't know why I'd not heard of them, but um, maybe because some of this music isn't actually aimed at me. I'm not sure really. Um, is the Dum Dum Girls. This is absolutely wonderful. They're out of Los Angeles and uh, it's about the best new track I've heard in the last week or so. It's called The Lost Boys and Girls Club. <laughs>
I like that a lot. That's the Dum Dum Girls, uh, Lost Boys and Girls Club. Now, I did find the DuckTales thing. Uh, what can I tell you about him? Oh, American band from New Jersey uh, that started in 2006 as the solo recording project of Matt Mondenile, uh, also of real estate. There you go. I can't say. I'm intensely uh, much the wiser. Uh, and this is quite interesting. The band's music has been described as uh, hypnagogic pop, woozy horizontal pop, lo-fi and chill wave. Do you know... I'm not sure I fully understand all of that. Um, and I'm groovy, you know, I'm a groovy guy. Don't you think? You think I'm groovy? I'm probably not that groovy, am I? So what am I going to do now? I'm going to play you one more track, then it's time to do our sort of turn around into the world of movies uh, when we're going to have stuff from uh, The Counselor and from Captain Phillips and one or two others, and Chaney will be along uh, mopping up 1986. That's right, because we'll be doing 1987 when we get around to it. Um, yes. And in the meantime, uh, I'm going to play you a track that came out, I think it was uh, earlier in the year, and it's certainly one of my favourites of the year. It's Nightbeds, Romana.
Oh, I do love that. I do really, 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 really love that. Um, Nightbeds, Ramona. Uh, we're going to have a break now, and when we come back, it's going to be film time. Do you think we should have a jingle that takes us into the film part of the show? I probably should. Suggestions on a postcard, even. Anything. Uh, Facebook, Kevin Markwick Show on Facebook. Or uh, Twitter, probably, is groovy, at Kevin Markwick. Uh, you can hit me up there, or you can email the studio, studio studioartfieldfm.co.uk, or you can throw something at the window. Just go down to the car park and throw something at the window. I'm sure I'll notice uh, this time of night if it hits the the window. Now, I don't normally play music from a film that's out and I haven't seen because, you know, because I'm sort of some kind of um, arrogant egotist, I kind of like to pass judgment on it, but I haven't seen The Counselor yet. I know it's got some uh, iffy, iffy press um but i shall pass judgment because you know the pedigree is great cormac mccarthy script uh ridley scott directing uh, a cast to die for and certainly it looks great and one of the really good things about it that i know for sure is the score by daniel pemberton which uh, i had to listen to this week and it's actually really really good uh this is a track called desert star septic uh brackets credits clues brackets
Wow, that's really good. That's part of Daniel Pemberton's score for Ridley Scott's picture, The Counselor. Probably uh, the thing you, if you're a gamer, you're probably known best for uh, writing the music for Little Big Planet, which can get right into your head if you're not careful. But he also did the score for The Awakening, which was uh, an interesting picture. Um, the Rebecca Hall, sort of Dominic West, scary, scary film. And a lot of music for TV, actually. A lot of. Um, Stuff like uh, Upstairs, Downstairs and uh, all that kind of stuff. So uh, on Peep Show. So no, a real up-and-comer there for the British uh, British film industry. Now, what I, a couple of um, uh, weeks ago, I didn't quite get to finish playing you the uh, Safe Now track from Captain Phillips, which I really, really don't like doing. Cause, <laughs> but time got the better of me. Uh, so I'm going to play that for you now. Um, this is part of... Um, Oh, what's his name? Uh, Henry Jackman's score for Captain Phillips. This is called um, Safe Now.
part of Henry Jackman's score for Captain Phillips. That's called Safe Now. Now, I didn't know much about him at all, um, Henry Jackman. I, you know, this is one of the great things about films is it doesn't matter how much you know, there's still those that you don't know. So there's always tremendous amount to learn. Uh, my mate and I are always saying this, you know, that uh, suddenly a film will turn up. Uh, I don't know, I can't think of an example off the top of my head right now, but, you know, a title will turn up. It's in cinemas next week or the week after or next month. And it's got a big star in it and, and, and people that we like. And we say, well, how do we not hear of that? We eat, drink, sleep, think movies, and yet we still miss that one. So it's such a, an amazing and ever-shifting subject that... Uh, that there's always stuff that you don't know and there's always stuff to learn. Um, and I didn't know. I mean, this guy wrote... Uh, I'd not heard of him. Henry Jackman. How can I not have heard of him? He wrote the scores for... Uh, oh, um, <laughs> Kick-Ass 2 and uh, Monsters vs. Aliens, Kung Fu Panda, the Dark, oh, Dark Knight Synthesizer programmer. It's not quite right in the score, is it? Oh, so he's obviously a um, Hoojar, you know, Hans Zimmer guy, protégé. Yeah, that would kind of make sense. But uh, that's interesting. That's uh, 38. Hmm. It's young enough. Now, one of the things is that um, a Blu-ray, one of the new Blu-rays I had this week, which is actually a, a, a birthday present that finally arrived, was one of our favourite films in the house, The Right Stuff, um, which is about the early astronauts, the Mercury programme. Um, it's uh, Lawrence Kasdan, isn't it? Yes? No? Maybe not. I <laughs> should why don't I know that? I should know that. Yes, Lawrence Keston. Hang on. Should we, should we type it into the uh, IMDB just to make sure we got it right? Look, here we go. The right stuff. No, Philip Kaufman. Of course it was. Yes. Oh. Anyway, and it was about the uh, the early astronaut, um, the first astronauts, actually, the what they call them, the, um, what's it, seven? The Mercury 7. And uh, we never get tired of it, really, in our house. It runs three hours, but we just got the Blu-ray and we haven't had a chance to run it through. So what I thought I'd do is uh, play you the, uh, the rousing score by Bill Conti. This is from The Right Stuff.
Yes, go, hot dog, go. <laughs> From the right stuff, uh, Bill Conti. Is he, I don't know, maybe this is, uh, is he referencing the Tchaikovsky violin concerto there? I don't know. Sound always reminds me of it anyway. What a great movie. No bucks, no buck rogers and all of that stuff. Uh, and there's only one thing really you can follow the right stuff with, and that's Apollo 13. I don't think I can push the brake much longer if I could listen to that. That's actually uh, Far Side of the Moon, or The Dark Side of the Moon, from Apollo 13. Uh, James Horner's score. I promise I'll play that in full next week. There we are. But we've got to have one of these or I'll get into trouble. So I'm all behind now, like a... Uh, my mum used to say something like that. I'm all behind like a, I don't know, donkey or something. Uh, so don't witter on. Ladies, here's Cheney. Hello. If the film business had learned anything by 1985, it's that there's a huge teenage market hungry for cinema. Back to the Future was that year's most successful film, everywhere, so it's unsurprising that Michael J. Fox got wheeled out again in Teen Wolf. 
As Kevin mentioned last week, this one was made before Back to the Future, though no one needs a time machine to know that this Beach Boys track will never date. Surfing USA underscores the celebrated set piece as Fox, now confusingly a wolf, goes van surfing. Don't try it at home, kids. By 1986, New Romanticism had matured and was starting to split into the tributaries of stadium rock and shoegazing indie. Despite the pop monopoly over young romance, Merchant Ivory continued to provide elegant period drama in the genre. A Room with a View is one of their best-loved productions, introducing the offbeat English rose that is Helena Bonham Carter and misappropriating a famous opera aria in which a mother sings to her children to stand as the surge of young love across the Florentine landscape. Other music by Puccini was used in this film, but enduring popularity for variety entertainers and at talent shows proves Omio Babin Nocaro from Gianni Schicchi may be second only to Nessendorma in its familiarity. It wasn't all rose-tinted coming-of-age, though. David Lynch's Blue Velvet is a very different sort of film from the vital, zesty teen adventures flooding the cinemas of 1986. Kyle MacLachlan's suburban utopia takes an early wobble when he finds a severed ear behind his home. This is David Lynch's William Blake with his vision of the sick rose, who says... The invisible worm that flies in the night, in the howling storm, has found out my bed of crimson joy, and his dark secret love does my life destroy. 
It gets pretty close to that when we encounter the terrifying, black-hearted Frank Booth. Dennis Hopper's celebrated psychopath presides over a mesmerizing aside at the climax of the film, in which Dean Stockwell steps out and performs this Roy Orbison song in dreams, not as a celebration, but as a threnody for youth's illusion. I walk with you In this year of the teen flick, John Hughes was the unofficial king of direction. His first hit was The Breakfast Club, a chamber piece set in a Saturday morning school detention. The intensity of the acting from a charismatic young cast and the injustice of weekend incarceration makes for an espresso shot matinee. If we remember John Hughes for anything, though, it would be for Ferris Bueller's Day Off an outwardly innocuous tale of a teenager who simply decides not to go to school. The film regularly ignores the fourth wall, just as Ferris, played by Matthew Broderick, charmingly refuses to play by any rules. The result is utterly irresistible, culminating in the famous twist-and-shout sequence in Chicago city centre, where the production team appropriated an annual parade to create an unforgettable street party. Goodbye. What's he gonna do? It's gonna be a fright with a penis.
Twist and shout, as in um, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Anyone? Anyone? Ferris? Anyone? Anyone? Fantastic stuff. Thank you, Cheney. That was fantastic. So that's 1986 put to bed. Now it's time for 1987. Kevin ignore the fourth dimension. You, you see, we can move in the other three. As the doctor said, up, down, forwards, backwards, sideways. But when it comes to time, we are prisoners. Hey, Doc, we better back up. We don't have enough road to get up to 88. Roads? Well, we're going, we don't need roads. You maniac! You blew it up! God damn you! God damn you all, man! No time for dilly dally dillying. Uh, I'm already late. So here we are. We find ourselves in 1987. Thatch wins a third time as prime third term as prime minister. The Channel Tunnel gets the go ahead, and the DLR opens first driverless railway in Great Britain. And the upfield line becomes the second driverless railway in Great Britain. Uh, Michael Ryan shoots dead 14 people in Hungerford, leading to a ban on uh, some automatic weapons. The Black Monday Wall Street crash wipes 50 billion off the value of shares on the London Stock Exchange. And in October was the Great Storm, killing 23 people and leaving 2,500 homes in the southeast without power. I think it was nearly two weeks before we got power in Buxted, where we were living at the time. Good job it was opposite the pub. They had beer. London City Airport opens and Hilda Ogden waves goodbye to Coronation Street, apparently. Best-selling single of 1987 was Never Gonna Give You Up by Rick Astley. And the best-selling album of the year was Bad by Michael Jackson. The Smiths again dominate the indie charts. Shoplifters of the World Unite was number one for three weeks in April. At the cinema was another frustrating chart of the great and the utter tosh. Uh, which means we have to mine the top 20 or it'll be all over in about three minutes. So number 20 was a rather forgotten film that took good money in Upfield and I can't recall seeing it anywhere for ages. Uh, Personal Services was a very British film about famous Madam Cynthia Payne who scandalised the press as Madam Sin and kept a house of ill repute that catered for all sorts of establishment figures. Uh, it was directed by Terry Jones, Monty Python's Terry Jones, and featured great, a great performance from Judy Walters. Uh, BCSD, anyone? BC, BCSD, yeah, that was it. Uh, and Papa's Ogloo, wasn't it? was the other one. Oh, he's in for a Papa's Ogloo. 
It was written by David Leland, actually, more of whom later. Uh, at 19, Mel Brooks was about 10 years too late to parody Star Wars in Spaceballs, which was fun nevertheless. Uh, number 18, Nightmare on Elm Street. 17, Mannequin. Oh, seriously bad. Uh, with Kim Cattrall as a shop dummy that comes to life. Yes. 16 was the cheap and nasty canon version of Masters of the Universe, uh, only notable for having heavyweight actor Frank Langella. Frank Langella, a skeletor, bizarrely. Uh, and finally, at number 15, something to get your teeth into. Uh, the Colour of Money was a belated follow-up to The Hustler, with Paul Newman reprising his role as Fast Eddie Felsen. Sadly, uh, this time not up against uh, Minnesota Fats, but teamed up with a younger, arrogant, super-talented pool player, Vincent, played at his most toothsome by Tom Cruise. Even with a heavyweight like Martin Scorsese directing, it was never going to match the sheer strength of style and whiff of alcoholic desperation uh, that permeated the 1961 original, but it was good to see Newman sparring with the new Hollywood generation. Uh, the score was a, a strange amalgam of songs and music from established acts, including Robbie Robertson. This is main title. kind of interesting isn't it robbie robertson's main title music from the color of money at number 14 now number 13 was david cronenberg's most commercial and certainly most accessible film to date the fly uh, a remake of sorts although truthfully only in name of the 1958 vincent price film where a man literally has the head of a fly it was like a man in a suit with a fly big wobbly fly's head um it was funny and the the um the bit at the end was going to fly with the man's head going nothing like this in cronenberg's film uh, it contains actually all of cronenberg's trademark obsessions the toxic outsider uh, the body shock horror uh, this time packaged for a mainstream audience none of 
the inky, dark, twisted psychosis from his brilliant later films such as uh, Dead Ringers and Crash, although they're certainly um, alluded to. Uh, and working with a budget way beyond his dreams during the Shivers years, this is a much more linear horror tale told with consummate skill and featuring a performance from Jeff Goldblum that contains exactly the right amount of pathos. And the score by Howard Shaw is suitably terrifying. Okay, that's part of Howard Shaw's score for The Fly, uh, which is the number 13 film. Okay, countdown for the rest when we come back after one of these. So here we are, back in 1987. How was it for you? It was a good year for me. We were having a great time. Um, what, why did I say that? Why do you care? Um, so, where are we? Yes, Kevin Markwick, Uckford FM, going through the top 20 films of 1987. Uh, and at... Uh, where we go? So, after the fly, we'll skip over Star Trek Forward A Voyage Home. A fine film and many people's favourite at number 12, for no reason other than we've done Star Trek music to death a bit lately. Uh, there are whales and time travel and it's funny. Watch it. At number 11, Mr Ernest himself, Kevin Cosner, was just coming into his pomp as king of the box office. This is the music from The Untouchables. A rip-roaring, prohibition-era gangster movie 
directed by Brian De Palma. The rather bland Cosner as Elliot Ness was fortunately offset by an Oscar-winning turn by Sean Connery. Don't do your Sean Connery, Kev. Resist the urge. Don't do it. As a New York cop, uh, uh, I've got absconded here. It's not right, is it? <laughs> it's seconded to the Bureau and an oddly scenery-chewing performance by Robert De Niro as Al Capone. And it must be the only mainstream film in history to lovingly rip off Eisenstein. And the score was by Ennio Morricone. Untouchables theme by Ennio Morricone, the number 11 film in 1987. Uh, the instantly forgettable Bruce Willis, Kim Basinger, rom-com Blind Date, directed by Blake Edwards, was at number 10. And at number 9 was the agreeable British comedy Wish You Were Here. Now, this, this was also a film about Cynthia Payne. I don't know, London buses and all that. Uh, this time about her teenage years. Uh, local interest here, of course, because it was all set in Worthing and a large part of it in the Dome Cinema. This time, personal services writer David Leland directed uh, and it made a star of Emily Watson. Uh, not for long, though. What happened to her? I don't know. That could be very rude, couldn't it? I'll, I'll look it up uh, and uh, let you know. Uh, so at number eight was Stanley Kubrick's long-awaited Vietnam picture, Full Metal Jacket. I remember at the time, it felt that Kubrick was rather late to the party, being one of the last Vietnam films to arrive. However, with a bit of distance, uh, its true genius has been revealed. I think I'll save Kubrick for another time. Uh, fitting him into this list just feels wrong. And there was no score unless I play uh, These Boots Were Made For Walking or the... Um uh, the Mickey Mouse Club, isn't it, is at the end of it. Anyway, at number seven was Attenborough's long and somewhat beyond criticism, Cry Freedom, the true story of the friendship between anti-apartheid uh, anti activist Stephen Biko, played by Denzel Washington, and white South African journalist Donald Woods, played by Kevin Kline. Uh, it's shocking, actually, to think it was an almost contemporary film, the events having taken place only ten years before, and that apartheid was still in place when the film was in cinemas. Uh, you know, it really is shocking, and would, would continue for some years afterwards. Uh, there's a very moving song uh, by George Fenton and Jonas Gawangwa, uh, which was nominated for an, for an Oscar. Here it is. Monday 
Sizulu, Lotuli, Tadu, Stephen Biko, Kovamembe, Ravazabukwe, Baba, Tambo, Basopa. Soweto, Alanga, the Shapi, Matola, Alexandra, Avarone, Mamilodi, Gugule, Tuhu.
Great stuff. Uh, Cry Freedom from Richard Attenborough's film of the same name. Again, you don't seem to see that one very often. They wheel Gandhi out, but they don't wheel Cry Freedom out, which they should, because it's um, very absorbing and very moving. Um, And a kind of early uh, trademark performance from Denzel Washington, of course. So we can skip quickly through the next three. Uh, Superman 4, The Quest for Peace. A truly sad end to Christopher Reeve's tenure as the creped, creped, <laughs> the creped crusader. Now that would have been good. <sighs> Made by Canon Films with not enough money and a terrible script, still managed to generate serious cash. Uh, number five was the Golden Child, a daft, snarky Eddie Murphy vehicle with a bit of science fiction thrown in. And at number four. Police Academy for Citizens on Patrol. What was wrong with you people? At number three was Oliver Stone's biggest moment. Platoon won the Oscar for Best Picture and Best Director. Uh, the story of a tour of duty and the terrible moral choices made during the horror of war by a young idealistic recruit, uh, memorably played by Charlie Sheen, caused a sensation in America with its scenes of brutality by American soldiers on the local people. Of course, it was lent an aura, and and actually (laughs) an aura, that's a bit um, dismissing it with faint praise, isn't it? Um, It was lent authenticity, there we are, by Stone himself, who was a, a Vietnam veteran. And it rendered this beautiful piece of music by Samuel Barber useless, forever confined to TV ads and soppy YouTube videos. Actually, I think it was used probably most effectively in The Elephant Man some years before by David Lynch, right at the end when uh, John Hurt as The Elephant Man decides to lay his head down and quietly slip off. So, uh, what was it? Number two, then, was the cash machine mentality continuing. God, it's so curmudgeonly, this, isn't it? Beverly Hills Cop 2. What was the point? And at number one was a newish beginning for Mr. Bond. Timothy Dalton mercifully replaced the ageing Dodger and brought some much-needed zing and sophistication to the role, grossing a respectable £8.1 million, about in line with the previous two or three. Um, And actually, it was this failure to improve the box office that was probably the death knell for Dalton. Because he was good. I liked him. I thought he was pretty good. Uh, And he only made one more, really. But that's skipping ahead. Um, and everyone, including Mr. Miliband, it seems, loves a bit of aha, and particularly for Caroline listening uh, out there in Lisbon, in Portugal. This is aha, of course. Uh, 
There you go. Aha! It's almost as bad as the Sean Connery impression. The Living Daylights, the number one film in 1987 in the UK. The American uh, market was slightly different, actually. Three Men and a Baby was the number one, and Fatal Attraction was number two. We must have got those either later in the year or um, they didn't take as much money. Okay, so I hope you enjoyed that. Let me know what you think, uh, and we'll take one of these. And when we come back, it's music all the way to the news.
Kevin Markwick. 105 Uckfield FM. Josephine Foster, Sugar Pie, I'm Not the Same. Before that, you heard Big Wheel, Cass McCombs. So we're almost done, actually. We've got a couple more tracks to go, three more, in fact. And then it's all over. But we got some good ones. They are good ones. They're worth hanging on for. This is Julia Holter.
Judy Holter from the uh, fantastic Loud City Song album out now on Domino Records. Uh, Laura Veers just finished a tour of the UK, uh, managed to catch her in Brighton, uh, brilliant as always, uh, and she's gone home now, which is sad. But this is off the new album Warp and Weft. It's called uh, Dorothy of the Island.
Dorothy the Island. From Warp and Weft, uh, the Laura Veers album. Which should be in your collection or your iPod. Other MP3 players are available. It's amazing we got this far. I got the wrong glasses on. I could have been playing anything. Still, we got there. Um, now, uh, we got one more track to go after the break. A uh, bit of um, What's the Face, Donna Summer, fantastic stuff. Um, but, you know, I'm urging you, if you listen to the podcast, get in touch on the downtime. Let me know what you think of the show, anything you want to hear, anything you think we should do. You know, even if you want me to just cease, stop coming into my inbox, please. Uh, then just let me know. Uh, at Kevin Markwick on Twitter, the Facebook page, we've got a Facebook page set up. Um, you can contact me here at Outfield FM, anything you like. Uh, it would just be really good to hear from you. Now, um, as I say, we've got one more break, one more track. I've actually really enjoyed myself tonight. Uh, it's been a good one. So uh, here we go. We'll have one of these. So that's it then. It's all over for another week. You can all go and have a lie down if you're not lying down already because it is 11 o'clock at night, let's face it. Thank you very much for listening. It does mean a lot to me. I really enjoy this. And uh, we're going to leave you with uh, the mighty Donna Summer, State of Independence. I'll see you next week. I love you all. Bye.